Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the WorkLife podcast. This is your host, Agnes Uheretsky, and today uh, I have the great pleasure and honor to be joined by Dr. Mansour Anwar Habib from Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Hello, Mansour. Um, you are our first um, guest from the Middle East, so I'm very, very excited uh, from this respect as well. And uh, Mansour is a Senior Director of Employee Wellness and Happiness at Do, which is a, a telecom company uh, in Dubai. He is actually a medical doctor. We will speak about his responsibilities and, and his work at Do more specifically. Um, and just to say that he is a published author, he is member and chair of a number of associations, for example, he's regional chair of the International Association of Worksite Health Promotion and also the chair of the Workplace Wellness Task Force Group, which is an initiative of the Dubai Chambers. And he's also uh, elected as the vice president of the Family Medicine Society at the Emirates Medical Association. Um, and so I'm very much looking forward to this uh, conversation. Um, and so before we go into more uh, the topics of wellness and, and workplace health, may I just ask you, Mansoor, to introduce yourself to the listeners, your uh, career, your passion, and, and also what is exactly your role now at Do? Thank you very much for the uh, introduction. And I'm really delighted to be your guest today. It gives me a great pleasure and it's a great honor to be able to add value to your valuable listeners and to share with you a little bit of a humble experience that we have down here in Dubai when it comes to workplace health and wellness. But before that, you would be surprised to know that when I decided to enter the field of medicine and to go to the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland in 1994, I never expected that 20 years down the line, I'll end up in a telecom company working as a medical doctor in uh, the telecom industry. It's very interesting to see how life moves on and it shapes you throughout the process from one field to another and from one station to another. I'm really excited. It's really amazing experience and I don't regret it at all. The story goes back to 2001 when I graduated from my medical school and I was all pumped up 
to go into the medical uh, hospital and work as a physician and then trying to see what specialization I would like to go in. And I found out myself in one of the most amazing specialties in the world and the field of medicine, which is called family medicine. In a nutshell, family medicine is a specialty where we deal with the patient as a whole. We just not concentrate only on the physical aspect of the patient, but it's also the psychological and the social aspect. In many countries in Europe, they use the concept of a GP. In other parts of the world, they use the word family medicine doctor. So it all boils down to one aspect where we look into the person within the context of the society that he lives in. That aspect of medicine opened the door for me to also specialize in another field, which is called occupational health. And I did that down in Birmingham in UK back in 2008, trying to figure out the relationship between work and health and the impact of workplace on our health and vice versa. How do we bring our health and our mental and physical abilities to be able to be more productive in any workplace, whether it's an industry of uh, exposure to chemical hazards or the physical hazards or a service industry where our day-to-day stress factor is the main culprit in our relationship with our surroundings. That chemistry between the two specialties of family medicine and occupational health allowed me to have an opportunity and enter into the field of service industry. When I was approached by the telecom operator Do, and by the way, it is the fastest telecom operator in the Middle East region, and we are uh, very proud to see the uptake of uh, our services in the country, and we are trying to strive to build that momentum among the customers in the country. So any one of you who visits United Arab Emirates, they are more than welcome to try our services. So when I was approached by the organization, the first question came to mind of people, are you leaving medicine? And I said, no. It's to take health to the next level. It's to bring health to the corporate world. When we are in hospital, we wait for a patient to be sick and we see him or her when they are unwell. But why don't we see health as something proactive? Why don't we deal with health as something fun, as something from a wellness perspective, from a happiness perspective. And that was one of the reasons where we changed the name of our department from medical services into wellness and happiness services. Why? People always link health with injection, with antibiotic, with pain, with negativity, and we want to stop that. Yes, we do go through pain and through uh, emotional turmoil throughout life, but how can we bounce back quickly? How can we think about it from a well-being perspective? The word happiness has been used because from our our country positioning, we are one of the very few countries in the world who has appointed a Minister of State for Happiness last year. And the rationale behind that move is that we have to see our life within the context of positivity, within the context of being able to serve our society by any capacity that we have. So that brings us down to this amazing journey where I joined you in 2010. And since the last six years and a half or seven years, now we are in 2017 into my seventh year, we are helping our employee and their family members on day to day how to be in an optimal mental and physical well-being in order to serve 
themselves before serving the company or the customers of the company. Fantastic. Thank you so much for this um, very, very interesting introduction. And that's always a, a, a great part of the podcast recordings because usually the podcast guests have always a, a relatively unexpected turn of a career or event and and they always have a great story to tell. So thank you very much for, for sharing this already with the listeners. Now, before we move to talking a little bit more in detail about uh, the role and the projects of um, the Wellness and Happiness Department at Do. Uh, to take a step back, uh, for the sake also of our very diverse uh, listener base, um, I would like to explore with you a little bit your definition of wellness. And um, I know you published a book recently called The Carpenter's Door is Broken. This reminds me in Hungarian, we, we have a saying about the the horse of the veterinarian. <laughs> so I think it's probably the similar <laughs> concept. So over to you, Mansoor, uh, how do you define wellness and why is it that globally there isn't more acceptance about what you just explained about this, the, the, the critical need for looking in a positive light from prevention side, from health side, from fun side. So over to you. Thank you again. I mean, it's a very philosophical perspective when we try to define the word wellness. For different people across the globe, wellness means different things. And if you go to a classical definition and you search it down in the internet, you will see that it has six different aspects. There is the physical aspect, there is the emotional, there is the spiritual, there is the social, there is the occupational, there is the intellectual. So it's a multifaceted concept. It's a very difficult to define it within few words because at the end of the day, I can summarize it. It's the way we live every single moment on this planet and how we deal with our surroundings and the energy level that comes out of it from our body and that connects with the surrounding, whether it's our beloved one, whether it's the objects around us, whether it's the air that we breathe or the sea that we look into. So having said that, Let's be more realistic about it. What I try to look into and maybe concentrate more on the aspect is the physical and mental aspect. Being a healthcare professional, being in the field of medicine, the thing that we obviously are trained into, technically speaking, is how to treat the body. In the mere context, an organ has failed to work. How are we going to fix it? An artery is blocked. How do we open it? A, a nervous system which is not performing very well, how do we rectify that? So medicine has been in context of fixing things. But then if you see to the concept of wellness, it's about that state of, when I say well-being, the state of not just the absence of disease, is the, is, is, it's a luxurious state of living and the way we perceive life. And in order to reach that, we have to first look at the root causes. If there is any, as, as any issues with my body, what about my diet options? What, are, what about my physical activity level on a daily basis? These are usually the pillars because if I am able to hold on those pillars on the right context, then I'll be able to have the body which will be able to create that positivity 
in terms of the energy which is being emitted from this body. Because at the end of the day, we know that the spirit is something very difficult to define. But how it's connected with the body is that beauty of the relationship, which is a secret formula. Until now, despite all the research that we have done, we are unable to find out. If I come to my book, which I have published, and by the way, it's in the Arabic language, so I would apologize for those non-Arabic speakers. I'm hopefully planning to, con to translate it into English. And why I chose the title Carpenter Door is Broken, because we as field of medicine, we are the last one to rely upon. We tell people not to smoke, and we, you will find a number of the doctors smoking. Tell people to be healthy, and our choices of diet and physical activity might be not the optimal one. I'm not sure how many of you have heard lately any marathon winner to be a physician or healthcare provider or <laughs> any mountain climber to be from the medical society. It's a bit prestigious society, but when it comes to the practicality of it, I think we are missing the bigger picture that we need to practice what we say if we want people to believe in us. We are very good in telling people what to do or what suggestions are there down in the market and we have that good trust relationship with them, but then that trust gets broken when in one incident, I see that physician who treated my child doing something against what he said, and hence the uptake of the health as a concept becomes at, at a dangerous state from that angle. Absolutely. Now, I think listening to you, for me, it seems like the logical next question, and, and I hope that also our listeners are uh, at the edge of their seat uh, trying to hear from you um, about the uh, chemistry or the intersection of what you just described, this multifaceted you know, um, concept about well-being and wellness and business objectives. And I think for the work-life hub, this is one of the most exciting um, questions we, we can always ask is how and when uh, do decided that we're going to invest in this? Because obviously there's investment in terms of money, in terms of attention, in terms of policies. And, and, and why is that? What, what were maybe the business outcomes or the business objectives or even maybe uh, CSR objectives that they have realized that we need to address by appointing uh, you, an employee in wellness and happiness director, and, and to pay more attention to this. I would like to thank you for bringing the point of the business objective, because when you come to a corporate world, you cannot just sell CSR or sell the health aspects from a pure charity perspective you have to link it with the bigger picture. Obviously, at the end of the day, we are humans. We are all working to strive to fulfill the objective of the company. So when do wanted to position themselves being the employer of choice in the market, in the country, and to be able to attract the best talent, they took a different approach than the surrounding companies. The mandate of having a healthcare provider in a corporate setup is purely optional. There is no compulsory requirement from a policy perspective or from uh, the legislation perspective to have a clinical setup or a healthcare provider. In order to be different, they went with this step. The initial thought process was, we need someone to take care of our staff when they are unwell. We need someone that will be like an advisor for the organization when it comes to the health aspect. 
But then as soon as we established the concept, we figured out that it's more than that. It is linked with the bigger business outcome of productivity, of engagement, of costs related to medical insurance, and so many other facets started coming up out of the whole concept. And in 2013 was a turning point because on, in, on that specific year, our ruler, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid, Uh, the ruler of Dubai and the prime minister of the country, has mentioned in a major uh, international summit that a leader has to be fit and a leader has to be healthy. We captured on that notion and we approached the whole concept from a business case perspective. We developed a vision and a mission for the business case and we decided that we need to be the leader in incorporating a sustainable workplace wellness program in the region. And we crafted a complete dedicated plan with data collection, goals and objectives, implementation plan, and obviously evaluation, because if you will not be able to evaluate something, it will be difficult to assess the success of any kind of a project. And we started laying down the various components of this model, of this project, of this concept across the company. And what we did, we started with our executive suite and we linked 5% of the performance of every single executive to health and wellness. That was something totally outside the norm. And it was something very surprising to everyone. How come health is something personal? Why are you linking it with the performance of the executive? Isn't it too harsh? And our rationale was we are not trying to be intruding, intruding into the personal life of an individual. What we are trying to do is to create a platform where we want to encourage our executives to adapt and to choose the healthy options through a supporting environment via the clinic, via the fitness center we have in place, via, via the nutritionist staff we have assigned to them in order to be the role model. Because coming back to my previous talk about wellness and the trust relationship between a physician and a patient, in any company, the role model is always the CEO and the executive suite. Whatever they do, it gets mirrored by the rest of the staff and the rest of the teams. So we thought, you know what, let's start with them. And very interestingly, we got a huge buy-in by the executive team and we we customized the plan for them in a way that will take into consideration their personal likes and dislikes. If someone has a back injury, their targets will be different than someone who has a knee injury. And we try to make it as fun, as engaging possible, rather than just penalizing that if you did not achieve your target, you will not Uh, be, you, will not give, you will not be given a high performance uh, number or a rate. The idea was to send a message to the rest of the company that this is something very, very close to the heart of the management, and we would love to see this culture of healthy living to spread across the company. And it did the magic, because at the end of the day, what's the worst can happen? It wouldn't work we would stop it and try something else. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't know anything that's going to work or no unless we try it. And it was something unique to our culture. 
we have more than 65 nationalities in the company. Somebody else might try this approach and it doesn't work for him or for her. It doesn't mean it's a wrong approach. Every company has its own fabric. It has its own uh, DNA, as uh, we say. And we were very glad when we saw the uptake, when we saw that enthusiasm among our staff. And we started linking it with the different evaluation measures. What about the insurance costing, the sickness, absence, the sickness uh, number of sick days? What about our engagement scores? And we tried to see where will it click? Is it really going to bring down our insurance costing after three years down the line? Because we know it won't happen in a year or two. It takes time. These things are cultural shift. You need to change a mindset. Because until today, we have people who hate the gym, who doesn't like to practice any healthy living option. <laughs> we will respect that. It is their choice. What we try to do is to create a platform that will enable people to make the choices. I cannot tell people have a healthy choice if I don't have the option in place or I don't have a fitness trainer or I don't have a facility that will push for that. And we also try to leverage on our enthusiasts in the organization, our champions, who are our biggest advocates when it comes to health and wellness. And let's be realistic. It's not just the pure physical aspect. Our idea was is that just to use this physical aspect as an entry level to bring people together, to enhance the relationship, to break silos between different departments and different teams. And that's the ultimate goal. The choosing a healthy uh, option in my lunch menu or going for a walk or, or participating in a marathon is just the outside of the whole equation. The deeper aspect that we were hoping to strive via these activities and via this platform is to bring our people together that will make, more, make work more productive. It will make them more loyal and it will make them more human. At the end of the day, we are human beings. We are living in an environment. We see each other more than nine, 10 hours in a day, more than our family. And I think the minimum that our dear people deserve is to be looked at as a human being and not as a machine. So where can I send my CV? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everybody is now looking feverishly at the job openings at Do. I mean, I tremendously enjoy your explanation because it gives me so much hope and feedback that the things we're always talking about that the work-life hub actually work and some people even in the corporate world do think like that you know about um, giving permissions for people to um, be themselves uh, to take care of themselves and and to uh, to really break this ideal worker mold because i think in addition to all of what you explained about the culture shit change about the team cohesion about loyalty i think what it really also does is is shows um your employees that you're valuing that they take care of themselves and it's not just the you know this uh overwork culture or the culture of stress or this pretending to be working long hours or working long hours which we know is in the long run really detrimental for mental and physical health and and leads to to very grave consequences but 
nip it in the bud like you explained and and making it part of the culture is is amazing and i'm just so i feel very privileged to listen to you and and to know that yes there are companies like that who who think this way i would like to add it doesn't mean that we only have this rosy picture i want to be very transparent with my with the listeners uh, we have challenges there are still pockets of mindset that will push their staff to sit long working hours it's an evolving it's a continuous enhancement uh, uh, process that we are hoping to bring down people to a common ground of understanding because as i said having the multiple nationalities in place brings a challenge of how to align people to this to to, to some kind of a common ground because for some of them being harsh on, on their staff is the best way to bring uh, results and revenue and meet the targets for the others is the other way around so we are always trying to juggle this and it doesn't mean that we are in the perfect uh, c- company uh, because tomorrow if someone from do hears me talking this he says yeah yeah you're right not all of what you're saying is the right thing so yeah i mean to be realistic and honest it's an ongoing process which we are learning from on a day to day but having this hope that eventually we will be able to reach to something that will benefit everyone. Uh to be quite specific, what is for example your most popular um program or initiative that employees and also the management has really embraced? Okay. There are a couple of them, but the one of the important initiative that really had captured attention and has been excelling from year to year is the participation in the Dubai marathon there is a famous marathon which happens on the january of every year in the country where more than 30,000 participants will take part in this uh, marathon and there are different categories there is the 42 kilometer which is the uh, usual marathon there is the 10 kilometer race and since we started investing in this event by sponsoring our staff and then their family members we saw them growing from 60 and 70 participants to now we are crossing 350 participants uh, in our last year statistics so this has really brought people together and has shown to the top management that having this kind of an event will definitely bring people together in another uh, aspect we have also invested in vaccinating our staff against flu the yearly flu vaccine and this also has shown to be a very successful event which has delivered a message to the families of our staff that we care of every one of them and we want to make sure that they go through the minimum challenges throughout the year with the various stressors that they might be exposed to Fantastic. Thank you so much for for giving us the um macro picture so to speak but also showing with these two very concrete examples um the actual um on the ground uh, tasks. So before we move to the last question because unfortunately time is always running way too quickly here. Um may I just ask you Mansoor to share with listeners uh, maybe a website or your Uh, social media where they could get in touch with you if they would like to learn more about your work sure i would be delighted to share with them my twitter 
and my Instagram account, both of them have the same handle, which is at Dr. Mansour underscore Habib. So it's D-R-M-A-N-S-O-O-R underscore Habib, H-A-B-I-B. And definitely, definitely they can con- connect with me in my LinkedIn, Dr. Mansour Anwar Habib profile. And I'll be more than glad to be able to uh, share with them further insight and as well learn from them their experience and uh, in their different fields. Excellent. Now, coming to the last question of the work-life podcast, which is always the same, um, I just want to ask you, Mansoor, um, if you could give an advice to a CEO about how to improve or start their employee wellness and well-being and happiness um, programs or initiatives or even a department, uh, what would be your advice to him or her? Two pieces of advice. The first one is to listen to the team down there by cascading a survey and finding out from them what are the things that they would like to see happening in the ground because this will be the main catalyst for them. I might assume they like football, but they might hate football and they want table tennis and vice versa. And the other part to complement this is to lead by example. If the CEO does not participate genuinely, then it will not live for a long time because leadership buy-in is a cornerstone for the success of such a, a, a new concept in the corporate world. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. It was such a great honor and, and privilege to listen to you explain about your career and your work and the programs and the business case. And I'm sure uh, listeners were just as inspired and motivated as I was and taking away a lot of information. So thank you very much. You're most welcome. And again, I'm really privileged and an honor to be at your prestigious podcast. Um, definitely would love to see more of those initiatives going across the globe in the order for our humanity to have a prospective, prosperous and happy life.